You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum to go over this debacle of an Eagles game, 48-22 to against our beloved New York football giants. But, Chris, we are joined by a very special guest, somebody who is very familiar with this specific program, someone who used to help us out at Big Blue View. That is the one, the only, the great Mr. Joe DeLeon. Joe, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I hopped on the, the college football pod with Chris a little bit ago, but it's 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 an honor to be back and to talk about the Giants. And I love the timing that the one week you get, you guys decide to have me on, one with special teams issues, but also the, the worst loss of the season. But uh, excited to be back. Well, you know, we we saw the way the special teams went for the Giants, and we figured we had to talk about it. And if we're going to talk special teams, we got to get Joe for it. Exactly. No, no Joe Judge, and suddenly everything everything's falling apart. <laughs> What's going on here? Ooh, oh, we just Joe, lost a bunch of listeners. <laughs> we just wanted a reunion from the 2021 season. Giants get their ass kicked. We got to bring Joe on. You know, it's really nostalgic <laughs> for us to go through this game. But we'll start a little bit with the offense and defensive film before we turn to the special teams. And Joe, Chris, the biggest issue with this team in 2021 was the offensive line. The biggest issue for this team right now is still the offensive line. We saw the Giants had success earlier in the season working the play action. They were uber efficient with the play action passing attack. The rushing attack was working. But now defenses, they have the Giants number. They know what the shtick is. And the Giants have not really been able to generate any explosive plays through their passing offense. And one primary reason why is because Daniel Jones has absolutely no time and he's getting sacked and hit so much. The Philadelphia Eagles pressured or they blitzed 23% of the time in yesterday's law or two days ago in that loss, but they pressured Daniel Jones 53% of the dropbacks. Like that disparity is pretty large. It is, but it's also not terribly unexpected because the Eagles have just a damn good pass rush. Yeah. They, Got Daniel Jones four times officially, five times unofficially. Uh, that's a little bit above their season average, but they're still sacking quarterbacks at a rate of three and a half sacks per game. So they're kind of doing that to every single offensive line they face, even when it doesn't have John Feliciano and Mark Lewinsky there in the middle for Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, and all of those guys to kind of beat up on. Yeah, I feel like as promising as Evan Neal and, and, and Andrew Thomas are, I think a lot of people are expecting to have like a huge boost once you added both those guys and you have them both in the in the lineup. But at the same time, you, you still need interior guys. And I, I remember having this conversation with Chris that like <laughs> they need to still draft and, and sign somebody to fill those guard spots. Like you, you can't just be allowing the amount of pressure that they're giving up up the middle. And like like you're just talking about there right now, Chris, is that this is the best, one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. And it starts with the interior guys that they have. And it was completely exposed this week to the fullest extent because they just, they don't have anyone to block those guys. So it's, it's a huge problem that 
still need to be fixed, but the offensive line still is a little bit better than we've we've kind of seen in the past. And talk about a tough draw with Jordan Davis, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox. The interior guys, they were all over the New York Giants, as were the 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 edge rushers. I mean, Josh Sweat beat Andrew Thomas. I felt like Andrew Thomas had a pretty good game. He surrendered like two other pressures on a bull rush from Josh Sweat. That was a little like that's unlike 2022 Andrew Thomas, but Andrew Thomas is far from the issue, obviously. And Evan Neal, I remain high on Evan Neal, but Joe, I wanted to get your opinion from uh, not an outsider's perspective, mm-hmm. but somebody who doesn't cover the team as much. Have you had a chance to watch Evan Neal at all this season? Yeah, I mean, I've been loosely paying attention to him, and I, I know that he's been inconsistently healthy so far this year. So it's 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 hard to really get a full gauge on a guy like Evan Neal, who's in his first season, who again is dealing with those injuries, because like it, it's going to take some time for him to develop and to get fully comfortable. We saw that happen with Andrew Thomas, where he struggled at first, and then he got comfortable, and now he's grading out as one of the best tackles in the NFL. But like, I think it's really promising, though. Like we knew that he was a great athlete. We knew that he was like a hulking mass. And eventually those flashes that we saw early on in the season, they're going to come to fruition fully on a week to week basis. Just, you just got to be patient. And I, I know that giants fans that like, we have a tendency to not be very patient, but <laughs> um, it's going to be a process. It's not something that's just going to be immediately step in, be completely dominant. It, it's going to be a little bit of time before he's fully comfortable. And especially once he's maybe back hundred percent healthy. Yeah, Definitely agree with that i i think there are flashes from evan neal of being potentially dominant out there but there are also those reps where he stops his feet he bends at the waist we saw the eagles use hassan reddick on twists uh use him wide force evan neal to overset overprotect that outside shoulder and then open up the b gap just gaping hole for Reddick to cross back across his face and inside. And yeah, th- these are just the, the ups and downs of being a rookie tackle. We saw it with Andrew Thomas, like you said, Joe. And I think over the coming off season, we're going to see Evan Neal take a pretty, pretty significant step. I would hope so. And speaking on this protection, these protection issues, Brian Dable in Monday's press conference mentioned how there were opportunities down the field where the Giants receivers who let's be honest it's not like they have prime Odell Beckham Jr. on this team right now but where the Giants wide receivers actually beat the Philadelphia cornerbacks but for one reason or another they just could not connect I thought Isaiah Hodgins had some really sick double moves and if we're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles personnel for one second James Bradbury was cooked at least three times by some double moves now I think you have a luxury when you're the Philadelphia Eagles going up against the New York Giants that you can play maybe a little bit more aggressively but if, if the protection held up just a split second more on a couple of those plays the New York Giants looked like they had some opportunities down the field, Chris, that could have actually generated some explosive plays, which is really novel with this offense right now. Yeah, it is. I, I've seen a lot of fans and a fair number of people in the media really trying, really blaming the Giants receivers for all of their problems. Like if only the Giants had, you know, Prime Odell Beckham, if only they had Stephen Diggs or CeeDee Lamb or you know, any one of these big name receivers out there, all the ills of the offense would be cured. But honestly, I thought the Giants receivers, yes, they are limited, but they've played really well out there, especially the last couple weeks. You know, they've been getting separation. Like you say, Isaiah Hodgins has been a find out there for Joe Shane. 
I saw a couple times he put Darius Slay in a blender, got him completely turned around with his route running. And like you said, they're just, they just weren't able to connect. Like you had that one deep pass the Giants attempted, but it was in double coverage and the ball drifted outside where it was kind of lucky that it was underthrown. Otherwise it was thrown directly to James Bradbury. <laughs> yeah, which is not something that we want to see. James Bradbury intercepting the New York Giants. <laughs> He's driving a knife into all of our hearts. But you know, the wide receivers are are an issue on the roster, but they're not the primary issue. It's going to still be the offensive line. You win in the trenches. But the transition to the defense, and if we're going to talk about trenches, I feel like the New York Giants are in really good hands right now because you have Dexter Lawrence, who I'm pretty certain the Giants are going to re-sign. Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari look like real deals as pass rusher. I think Aziz Ojolari still needs to develop as a run defender. I think that's one area of his game that teams are actually looking at. Anytime they see 51 out there, they're running at him. The Eagles ran at Aziz Ojolari quite a bit in this game. What were your guys' overall thoughts on Kayvon Thibodeau, how he's progressing through this season? Chris, we'll start with you. Kayvon Thibodeau is a problem for opposing offenses. The sack numbers, the, the tackle for loss production isn't there. But I would qualify that with a big yet. It's going to come. We don't know if it'll be this year or next year. You know, if you think back, JPP, everybody labeled him a bust after his rookie year. But then he comes back in his sophomore year, and he's all of a sudden one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I think we could see that that kind of a development curve with Thibodeau. But right now, he is having an impact. He is a pretty good run defender for a rookie, I would say. And... You see him affecting the offense. He's forcing quarterbacks to move off of their spot, to step up in the pocket. He is chasing quarterbacks into his teammates' hands, either up to Dexter Lawrence, Leonard William, uh, <laughs> Justin Ellis on occasion, or over to Ojolari, over to J- Jihad Ward. And that has value all its own. I, I feel like, uh, Chris, you bring up a good point with the run defense. I feel like when... Kayvon Thibodeau was coming out of Oregon. Not enough people were acknowledging, I felt like he he was actually a really good run defender. It's really easy just to assume that these these twitchy athletic edge rushers are you, you know, they're they're gonna be pass first and then they they kind of take the playoff on on run plays. But Thibodeau had a lot of really nice plays that he made against the run coming out of Oregon. And I think just in general, we're talking about his development he landed into a really good situation being coached by Wink Martindale. And like when I knew that he was drafted playing opposite of Aziz Ojolari, like that's a really good edge rusher pairing specifically for what Wink Martindale likes to run. And I, I, I think in general, the flashes that we've gotten from him just in, in spurts and some big games that he's had so far this year is just a small taste of what he can become. We know so many really dominant guys that have played for the Ravens when, when Martindale was there I, I think that Kayvon's got a higher ceiling than even some of those those bigger name guys that put up huge performances on a yearly basis. So like, I'm excited. Like I, I'm stunned that still stunned that the Giants were able to get him and he fell into their lap where he did. Um, and in general, that, that that development for him has been been pretty fantastic and pretty progressive so far. Really excited about Kayvon Thibodeau. And you can watch both of the tape of him and Aziz Ojolari and see just how much more of a complete player Kayvon Thibodeau is right now. But with saying that, and I wanted to get your take on this, Joe, mm-hmm. I think Ojolari, I don't know what it was. Him coming out of Georgia, like he had bend, right? He was never a stiff athlete. But right now, this guy is bending to me, at least at a rare level. Like he's like Gumby out there. And he seems even maybe a tad more 
explosive. Have you watched any of Zizo Jolari's healthy tape this year? Yeah, and then that that bend you're talking about, it's it, to have that ability to bend is is one of the most rare things in the NFL. There's not a lot of guys that can move the way that that Aziz is moving. And I know that there were those concerns over his knee that that he had coming in out of Georgia, and, and maybe that it's just now that everything's fully healed up and he's he's fully healthy and he's able to move as easily as possible. But like having that bend, like he's not a huge, big, massive edge rusher. Like that's how he's going to create advantages. That's how he's going to beat. Uh, you know, slower, more top-heavy offensive tackles on a week-to-week basis. But like Aziz looks fantastic. And again, to that point about playing in Martindale's defense, they are a good pairing opposite of each other just to play off of each other's strengths. Absolutely. Get one-on-one matchups across the uh, board overload. And we saw that in this game, Chris. We saw one play where the Giants aligned, I think, four defenders to the right of the center, Kayvon Thibodeau to the left. And it just isolated Kayvon <laughs> Thibodeau against Lane Johnson. Tough matchup. But guess what? Kayvon Thibodeau got a pressure on that and was able to, I would say, win high side. He didn't get a sack. But still, it's it's an. Imp- I think it's going to be a very... Very, I think giant fans are going to look at this tandem and for the next hopefully decade, we're going to be like, man, like we got some right here and hopefully they can have a pass rush that is similar to what they've had in recent memory, 2007, 2011. Obviously no one's going to be Michael Strahan, but that's the hope. Yeah. And I think one of the kind of overlooked things is how versatile Thibodeau in particular is talk about him as a run defender, talk about him pressuring, but also how he is able to effectively drop into coverage on those blitz looks or simulated pressures that Martindale loves to run. He is actually a guy I don't wince when I see him dropping into zone coverage and picking up a tight end, you know, out in that hook curl area. He moves remarkably well for a guy his size. No, he definitely does. And to transition a little bit to the secondary before we take a break to hear a word from our sponsors. Look, the Giants are trying out there. That's all you could say. They, they, they came out a little bit more, Chris, with the middle of the field open. I felt like quarters, a little bit too high, but they're a middle of the field closed team. It didn't matter. You, they struggled to stop the run, specifically in the second half. The counter game, the GH counter game that the Eagles were running just gave the Giants fits. They ran it three times in a row, picked up like 28 yards in those three plays. The Eagles, that was in the first half of the game. But then they just couldn't really cover A.J. Brown man coverage downfield with Nick McLeod. I think Nick McLeod's a good player, but what were your guys' overall thoughts with the Eagles passing attack against this just beat-up giant secondary? Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, the, the Eagles just had too much. The Giants didn't have enough. You, know, you talked about they, they tried. They did change their coverage schemes, at least look to me. Some, they tried to account for the fact that Jalen Hurts is one of the best running quarterbacks in the NFL. He's got great vision. He's got great patience. He actually surprised me with how patient he was behind the line of scrimmage. And you do need to keep eyes in the backfield. And I think the Giants also tried to account for the fact that the Eagles are not afraid to throw it deep, which is something their running game affords them where you have to cheat up defenders to slow down their running game, which just opens up those matchups down the field. The giants tried to sl- tried to slow that down. And to their credit, they did force Hertz to throw on average about a yard shorter than he did on, on average the rest of the season. But like you said, it man coverage with Devonta Smith, with AJ Brown, with, Fabian Moreau and Nick McLeod. Yeah, that is just 
that is a matchup the Eagles, any team, is taking all day long. And it, it kind of felt like the Eagles weren't doing anything too overly complicated to kill them too. And like, that's, that's one of the most demoralizing things as a defense is to face something like that. And you just getting beat on every single play. And the, the other thing too, Nick, you brought up like the, the amount of rushing yards that they were giving up that series where they just gave up three straight huge rushes that at this, at the, with the way that this defense is structured, where it's all built up front, if you're not stopping the run, there's no way in hell you're going to stop a, a team with these types of receivers. It, it's just not going to happen. If you're getting gashed one way, you're going to eventually start getting gashed entirely, and that's kind of what happened in this game. And the secondary just feels weird because, like, there's there's some athletes out there, but very clearly lacking like top end talent. And I, I do hope that wherever the Giants are picking in this year's draft, that that's something that could be addressed because there are some talented corners that might fit uh, Martindale's scheme this year. And the Giants are going to need those talented corners. They could use a lot, the New York Giants. They can't stop the run laterally. They could use linebackers because yeah. the counter run game has destroyed them all season because put so much pressure on those edge rushes to keep contained and then have those linebackers be in position when you can just block down on guys like Dexter Lawrence and Leo and things like that. And the Giants struggled in this game once again with those counter rushes. And as you guys said, it, it was just uh, the Eagles outmatched them. And Jalen Hurts really developed as a passer as well. But... Joe, we brought you on to talk special teams, so let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation, and then we'll go through what the hell is going on with this New York Giants special teams unit. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Joe, the special teams what is going on it seems like all year they have been an issue you had the botched jamie gillen i'm gonna drop the football and try to kick kick it type a punt you had boston scott ripping off 66 yard returns give us your overall thoughts on what's going on with thomas mcgahee's unit yeah for me whenever there's special teams issues it's it's not like offense or defense where you can go say like oh well this scheme is is the reason why that there's issues uh, special teams for the most part a lot of these teams run the same stuff. Like there is not a, a, a ton of um, differentiation between how teams approach punting, punt return, all those things. It's all about intent. It's all about coaching. Uh, it's all about the the tone that you're setting on special teams. And as bad as the Giants were under Joe Judge, the one thing that Chris and I always took time to talk about is like they were making plays on special teams. Was the tone? Was was that intent? Because Joe Judge put an emphasis on that. And it feels like at times, and in this game especially, 
that there isn't that same level of focus. There isn't that same level of like, we're going to set the tone on special teams, which eventually later on in the season, when you've got different guys shuffling in and out of the roster, uh, you've got different guys on, on different formations. It's going to show up even more, especially against a well-coached team like the Philadelphia, excuse me, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, in the situation with, with Jamie Gillian, like that's, that's inexcusable. You can't drop that ball. It was stupid on his part to try and kick that ball, which uh, he's Scottish, but I don't really know what his <laughs> his total football playing background is. I I just know that you can't do that. And the minute I saw him do that, I knew that that, that was going to lead to an issue. That's me to have better hands. I think that the, the conditions weren't great out there, so it's it's somewhat understandable. But the rest of those things to me is just like intent, focus, fundamentals, um, aggressiveness, getting downfield. You need to have a a more of a uh, an aggressive goal to make plays on special teams. Otherwise, if you're coming out there soft and you're treating it as a as a transitionary period, the results that we saw in this game are going to continue to pop up. Yeah, and one thing I always go back to is I think it was either 2010 or 2009. The then San Diego Chargers had the best offense and the best defense, number one ranked in the NFL that year, but they still missed the playoffs. And the biggest reason why was they had the absolute worst special teams in the NFL. They were losing games on special teams. Now the giants do not have the best defense. They do not have the best offense. They really can't afford to be giving up all of those hidden yards, all of the, all of those opportunities for the other team or denying themselves opportunities on special teams. And I think the weirdest thing for me about this Giants special teams unit is that it is either feast or famine. Like they don't have any routine special teams plays. They either have, you know, Graham Gano bombing a kick in from 55 yards out, or they're pinning the opposing offense back inside the 10 yard line. Ellerson Smith blocking a punt, setting the Giants up for a 15 yard touchdown drive. Or they're giving up a 20-yard punt return, a 60-yard kickoff return. Yeah, you know, There are, like I said, there just are no routine plays. And I think that does kind of go back to what Joe was talking about with their discipline and intent on special teams. Yeah, the discipline and the intent, like just think about being either, whether it be a gunner or just anybody on kickoff, you got to maintain your discipline in your rush lane. And I just feel like sometimes maybe the Giants and Joe, you're the special teams expert, you can correct me, they over pursue and they just get caught like on the Boston Scott return. It just seemed like there was a cutback and all he has to do is hesitate for a second and just use a little bit of patience. And then he has just a, a huge alley to run through and someone with his type of speed and acceleration he's going to outrun a lot of players but it's not just Boston Scott you know it, it's been all year at this point and we saw with the Jamie Gillen play that you were referencing Joe and Chris the next play after that was a 33 yard touchdown pass to AJ Brown so you had the Philadelphia Eagles go from a fourth and seven situation touchdown pass to Devonta Smith and then the Giants get the ball obviously their offense doesn't really do anything a botched punt, get the penalty, next play, A.J. Brown touchdown. Next thing you know, you're down by 14 points if you're the New York Giants. That has to be one of the last things, those types of mistakes, that special teams coordinators are trying. That has to be the thing that special teams coordinators are trying to prevent, I would imagine. Yeah, and I, I really would not be shocked if if, uh, if Gilliam is, is, isn't is back next year. And, and we're talking about like that over-pursuing 
aspect of, of punt return, some of that goes on the, the punter's shoulders. Like, I think some people don't realize that there is a requirement in the responsibilities of a punter to properly place the ball where he is asked to do it. I forget exactly where that Boston Scott one went, but more often than not, you're telling your punt coverage team to cover and go a certain direction with the expectation that the ball is going to be going in that direction. And a lot of times when a team over pursues or they're not in the right positioning, as much as the intent is an issue and that, you know, that goal of making a huge play on special teams and taking pride in that, if you're also out of position because the punt wasn't put in the right place, it also goes on the punter. So it, it just seems like there's a collective stockpile of issues that just keep snowballing and snowballing on a weekly basis. And I also do have to wonder how much depth factors into it. You know, we saw with the Eagles, they lost their punter midway through the game on, on that blocked punt. And so that also affects your holder for kicks with the giants. They're churning through their depth chart. They've got guys at the bottom of their depth chart starting. So they're having to bring up practice squad players, sign guys off the street, you know, midway through the season. And that also has to affect your special teams. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it definitely plays a role. And it's not like Thomas McGahee is a, is a bad coach. We've seen him have very, very successful special teams units, but this season has been somewhat of a disappointing one. But Chris, Chris <clears throat> Joe, anything else before we get out of here? No, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was this was fun. And I, I told Chris during the draft cycle, I'm sure that uh, you guys are going to have me on again to talk a little bit about some of these prospects coming up. But uh, appreciate it as always. And uh, miss hopping on every single every single week with you guys and looking forward to hopefully the Giants make the playoffs and we've got something <laughs> something exciting to, to talk about. They do. They don't. We'll still have the draft. <laughs> we'll still exactly. have the draft and we'll be talking to you, Joe. Thank you so much for joining us to talk special teams and thank you, everyone for listening to the Big Blue View Radio Chris and Nick show. Everybody take care of each other. Have a lovely one. Please head on over to BigBlueView.com and check out all of our written content. Be well, everybody. Hopefully the Giants can handle the Washington Commanders on Sunday Night Football. Big game. Take care. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.